Welcome to Inside the Founder Studio with the California Technology Council, where we bring you perspectives directly from startup founders and investors in every episode. Now we turn to our host in our Northern California headquarters, Matt Gardner, founder of the California Technology Council. To mark the occasion of our 2017 Clean Acres Conference, today's episode of Inside the Founder Studio is a conversation with Doug Curry, founder of Excelligent, a commercial real estate technology company. We're very pleased to have this series sponsored by Nixon Peabody, and we also want to thank Rachel Wally for the introduction and Scott Horwath for the soundtrack. Excelligent is a member of the California Technology Council, and membership matters for us. Everything is made possible by our members, and we invite you to learn more at californiatechnology.org slash join. You can subscribe to these podcasts at SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play. And of course, we're always happy to have supporters on Patreon at patreon.com slash CA Tech Council. Now, before we get into today's episode, here's a word from our sponsors at Nixon Peabody. Nixon Peabody, LLP. We see 21st century law as a tool to help shape our clients' futures. For more information, please visit www.nixonpeabody.com. We at the Tech Council are very proud to partner with Nixon Peabody on everything from life sciences to our brand new foundation. Now for today's episode, here's our conversation with Doug Curry. We're talking with Doug Curry, who's the founder and CEO of Excelligent, a company headquartered in Kansas City. Doug, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Good to be here. Uh, Doug, could you start by giving us a, a, a little bit of an overview of Excelligent and, uh, and, and maybe talk about how you got into this? You've been at this for a couple of decades now. Yeah, so, you know, in the late 90s, we owned, my wife and I owned appraisal and title companies throughout the Midwest and development companies, and we were trying to figure out kind of the information gap between you know, what our agencies needed and what was available in the marketplace for commercial real estate information and kind of mistakenly believed that it would be as simple as building a piece of technology and, you know, putting it up for the Kansas City real estate community to share property listings and, you know, space availability and sales transactions for our for the marketplace. Uh, we learned pretty quickly that brokers don't do data entry in the commercial real estate sector and that the compl- complexity of the data really keeps a lot of companies from uh, getting the information they need. And it also precluded there ever being a multiple listing type service like there is in the residential industry because of the complexity of the information. So what we what kind of happened to us over the, ne- the next coming years were we recognized that there were about 35 companies across the United States that were trying to build information databases in the U.S. for the commercial real estate industry. And since it was in the middle of the dot-com boom, there was about 35 million about 35 companies with about 150 uh, different, you know, with various investors um, with about a billion and a half dollars investing into those uh, 35 companies. So everyone had a lot of funding except for Excelligent. Um, what, what happened to all the companies is everyone underestimated what it was going to take to aggregate the data and the manpower that would actually go into putting all the information together. So by the time we got to year three, uh, there had been a company out of Bethesda, Maryland, uh, CoStar Group, that had really uh, been the pioneer that realized that you had to manually go and physically inspect every building, call every listing agent, update every listing, and proactively build this very comprehensive database city by city. 
so that real estate agents and appraisers and banks could access the database on a subscription service. So the cost structures to build it and the cost structures to maintain it were extraordinary. The other 34 companies all believed that they could figure out some more efficient model to avoid that. And quite frankly, within the next 36 months, uh, nearly every one of them were out of business. Uh, Excelligent was an accident, actually, where we got invited into San Diego and asked to help build an alternative database so that that local real estate community could create an alternative platform that they felt like would be more industry-centric. So we partnered with uh, several real estate companies and helped them try to collect data and ultimately wound up in a, a legal discussion where we had to prove to the courts that that local real estate community owned the rights to their own information. And in that process, we were required by the courts to physically go out and inspect every building in the city, photograph all the buildings, and build the database from the ground up and document where we got the content to prove that it was originally created. So we wound up becoming one of the only companies in the, in the U.S. that could prove that we owned the data from the ground up other than CoStar, wound up winning the lawsuits, and kind of by accident became the, the only other company in the U.S. that knew how to build these databases. So we started out as a small entity and you know, got invited over the coming years into about 15 U.S. cities uh, where we would go and partner with the local real estate community and have a very industry-centric approach of partnering with the community rather than just being a vendor, uh, building the databases and working collaboratively to, to keep the information updated. Uh, over the years, we converted to a completely proactive research company where we would staff centralized research centers in the Midwest that would continuously call and update each listing on each building. They would also verify the tenants that are in the building on a quarterly or semi-annual basis, and they would verify the sales transactions at the courthouse every month, which took a lot of manpower. Um, the last piece we did was created industry advisory boards of the top real estate agents that would certify each quarter that our information was the most accurate in the industry. And when we actually allowed our customers to get involved and got them into the workflow of what we did and allowed them to have the final view on it, Excelligent wound up becoming one of the fastest growing providers and uh, really started to take market share in the cities we were in. So about 2007, we got asked by several of the constituents in the industry of the largest brokerage firms to take the company into the top 65 U.S. markets. We wound up partnering with uh, the biggest marketing company in our sector, which was a public bulletin board for marketing uh, property information. That year, we partnered with them. Uh, we started to grow faster. We did that for about four or five years. And then, quite frankly, the number one company, our competitor, uh, leveraged a buyout of our parent company, our new parent company, LoopNet, and uh, almost wound up owning us and LoopNet. But luckily, the FTC in 2011 blocked the transaction and ruled that CoStar could not buy our parent company as long as they owned us. And so ultimately what the FTC concluded was that in order to make there be parity in the industry, that they would allow Excelligent to find a new investor that would agree with the U.S. government to fund the expansion of our company into every major market in the United States over the next five to six years. So it, it actually turned out to be very positive for us. We had spent, you know, probably you know, 10, 15 years uh, proving out how we could do proactive research in Tier 2 and Tier 3 cities like Oklahoma City and Kansas City and some of the smaller U.S. markets. And now we were partnering with, uh, you know, the, the FTC was allowing us to find an investor that would let us take our company into the larger U.S. markets and take the business model into, you know, markets like Los Angeles and Dallas, Texas. So we ultimately met the Daily Mail out of England. Um, they own a 
global portfolio of probably 40 or 50 companies. And the Daily Mail, uh, which is DMGT, um, agreed with the U.S. government that they would be our partner. They became our partner and started funding the expansion of Exelgen into the major markets across the country. Uh, it was interesting because at the time we were about 150 employees, and over the next 30 months or so we grew to about 1,100, uh, which is we're about 1,200 employees today, and we'll finish over the next two years with about 2,500. So it's been a really rapid expansion for a company our size to scale that way. We launch a major U.S. market about every 30 to 60 days. Um, the, the, the issues we deal with today are really rapidly expanding technology. Um, in our industry, it's not just whether or not you can collect the data efficiently. You know, as you can imagine, with that much manpower, every keystroke, every interaction of the screen, uh, how fast your screens refresh, how fast your database is, uh, the layouts of the UI are all extremely important to the ergonomic workflow of the researcher, which changes your cost structures. And then the last piece is all of that data has to be delivered to a user interface that's designed for a real estate agent or an appraiser to be able to consume the listing data, the trends data, the analytic data, so they can do their jobs. And so the technology user interface and the architecture of how that's built is extremely critical to the industry and determines whether or not we'll be successful in getting adoption for the end user. So we are, t today I would say, the, the, the good news for Excelligent is we're now in 50 U.S. markets. We'll probably finish, you know, the top 60 over the next 24 months. Um, we have invested heavily in a in the, the professional product that the brokers and appraisers and owners and banks in the United States will use, but we also have a secondary product similar to our partner company that's more of a marketing bulletin board that the general public can use. Um, and the technology of both of those uh, has a massive investment that we've put in over the last two years to significantly ramp our development resources uh, and expand that while we're building the research operations. So uh, th that's what we're in the middle of. We, we recently signed the five largest firms in the United States, all agreed to multi-year agreements with Excelligent about two years ago and helped us form a more industry-centric board of directors so that we have our largest customers sitting on our board, helping us guide and govern and make sure that we're aligned with the industry. We were also chosen by the National Association of Realtors as their exclusive platform in the United States for commercial real estate research and marketing, and the National Association of Realtors now also sits on our board so that the million realtors in the United States are represented on Excelligence Board. And then I would guess the, the last piece of that to kind of bring it together is the CCIMs, which is Certified Commercial Investment Managers. They're kind of the, you know, it's kind of your PhD of brokerage, if you will. Uh, that organization chose Excelligent to run its technology delivery and operations. So we've got two of the most prestigious organizations in, our, in the country sitting on our board. We've got the largest customers, including now the largest appraisal firm, I forgot to mention, Integra, um, also sitting on our board. So we've created an industry coalition that helps us drive and guide the company, and it's, it's been a, a great experience. It's been kind of a 17 or 18 year process. Uh, my wife says we're the longest standing startup that she's heard of, um, <laughs> and uh, every day is a new adventure, but that, that's what Excelligent does today. We provide comprehensive, proactively researched commercial real estate on a little over a million and a half buildings in the United States. We track you know, a million and a half buildings several million tenants, um, thousands and thousands of spaces that are coming on and off the market that have to be updated every month. Uh, and we have, like I said, you know, 1,200 or so employees literally gathering data, collecting information, and then providing that back to the brokerage and appraisal and banking industry.
Now, this is not your run-of-the-mill entrepreneur's story about rising through organic growth and fighting competitors. And uh, you've got some very interesting uh, leaps in there. Uh, if I could take us on a sidebar for a second, Doug, one of the things you mentioned there was, you know, who owns the data? And that is a really critical element that we see in lots of industries. And, and the one that kind of leaps to mind is, is what happens in digital health when you have consumer electronics companies allowing patients to own the data that they collect from their fitness devices and that kind of thing versus the big health systems spinning off kind of for-profit entities with, you know, longitudinal patient data that they own. So interesting kind of clash of, of cultures there between, you know, who gets to own the data. Well, that is a very interesting uh, aspect that you mentioned about that, that uh, early story in San Diego. Why was that an issue there? You know, it's probably one of the most heavily contested pieces of our industry, and I would say it still is today. And it is a big part of why uh, there's only two companies left. And the, the issue there was that you had, you know, you've got this long tail in the industry. So in the real estate industry, you may have the top five or six firms that represent, you know, 20% of the real estate agents, but 60% of the space. But then there's 80%, you know, there's several uh, there's a long tail of a lot of smaller firms that represent the rest. Um, so, and the data is in each of their individual databases. And in their mind, their listing information or what they represent about the building is their own personal data. So when they think about putting that into a, a database where it's aggregated together, in their mind, their perception is, I contributed this to you, therefore it's my data. Um, whereas the aggregators, uh, the, our competitor, CoStar, took the approach of, if it was that easy, you all would have already done it and put it in yourselves. But in reality, it, you know, their company believed, CoStar believed, that since they had to go out and physically inspect the buildings, photograph them, and extract the data from each real estate company, and it cost you know two $300 million to do that over a 15-year period, that CoStar claimed rights to the data and claimed that they owned it and that it couldn't be used in any competitive system. So there was a massive challenge in the first well, still going today for the last two decades over who had rights to the information. And in fairness to the CoStar Group, you know, if you spent two or three hundred million dollars collecting it because the industry wouldn't cooperate, uh, you would want to protect the moat around what could be done with that data. So, it, when we when we entered into the marketplace in 2000, um, several of the firms were realizing that since they no longer owned the data, the aggregated data from the industry and they, were the, they only had one source of content, that the pricing was you know, out of their control. So as they started to build alternatives, they would try to collect the data and put it into pieces of technology that were not researched, and then CoStar would challenge who owned the data because they were the ones that believed that since they aggregated it together, they had ultimate rights to it. So there was a massive legal challenge across the various companies uh, trying to challenge that they had rights to it. So Excelligent's solution to that in 2001 when we went into San Diego, we looked at the various lawsuits that had happened over the years and said the only way you could prove that the real estate community had rights to the data would be to help them physically go out and recreate the entire marketplace of data from the ground up by using first-hand site inspections, original photography, you know, people literally calling again and updating every listing. And it was we were the only company in the U.S. that had ever done it other than CoStar that also had a detailed enough process that we could prove that we were the first-hand originators of the content so no one could contest it in a court. 
And we, I don't know that we realized it at the time, but it actually became the birth of the company. Exfoliant <laughs> became the only company in the U.S. that knew how to document the process comprehensively enough that we could win con- consistently in court and prove that Coaster didn't have rights to the data and that we could convey that back to the real estate community. And it's, it's why we're you know, the number two player in the industry today. Now, uh, we, of course, have a, a mutual friend and one of your executive VPs who uh, once pointed me to a study done by the University of San Diego that had made a first attempt to catalog the entire commercial and industrial real estate portfolio in the United States. And I think it's the only time that's been done. Uh, and it, it pointed to uh, some insane total square footage uh, and it, it does kind of boggle the mind that there's never been an MLS equivalent for commercial and industrial real estate, but it sounds like you've sort of done that with your, uh, the new makeup of your board. Yeah, we're, you know, we're, we look at the U.S. Uh, kind of in perspective of how many office, industrial, and retail buildings are there in, in the United States that are on average above 5,000 square feet, you know, so of, of significant size. And we know that there's, you know, over 2 million buildings that, that meet that, that characteristic. And today, Excelligent has inspected probably 75% of those. So we're, we're pretty close. You know, over the next 24 months, we will have inspected every major office, industrial, and retail structure in the United States, photographed it, um, figured out who the owner is, figured out every single suite that's available for lease or for sale, and also confirmed every tenant that resides in every one of those buildings down to the key contacts, the number of employees. So the manpower to do that is really the conundrum of the industry is how would you execute that large scale of an operation? And if it was a point in time, it'd be one thing, but once you load the data, you literally have to start keeping it current every month. And that was the piece that everyone underestimated was the, non-stop turnover, if there's 22 million companies in the United States residing in these structures, the spin of keeping that up to date on who's occupying and who's vacating was the piece that no one thought about. So when you, when you think about the, the residential MLS, the thing that makes it work is that a house is either for sale or it's not. And so you only have one status, either I'm selling it or I'm not. Whereas in commercial real estate, the building is there but there may be 20 or 30 companies in that office building moving, moving in and out every day. And so it's not just what's for sale. It's also what's for lease and for rent. And that was the challenge of the industry that no one thought about. Really a constant state of change. Right. So, so when you kind of roll that up and you think about who owns the data around that same discussion, um, that makes it to where someone that's gone through the you know, multi-million dollar exercise to build that is obviously going to have thoughts on protecting to make sure that someone doesn't download that database and send it somewhere else. So we have a, a commercial real estate initiative within the California Technology Council called Clean Acres, uh, where companies like Cisco and Silver Spring Networks and others aren't just talking about commercial real estate. They're also talking about managing it and energy efficiency and so on. Can, can we leap into the, the DMGT relationship a little bit? And can you give us a sense of how uh, your approach to B2B services may have changed with their influence? Because obviously there's a, a company with a, a vision of an expansive set of B2B uh, solutions that can add a lot of value for you. Yeah, so I would say, you know, DMGT um, has definitely changed the future of Excelligent. We 
previously were owned by another company in our sector that was kind of focused on the public marketing exposure. And so we had a reference point of one other company. When we were bought by DMGT, DMGT you know, was originally a media newspaper company, a 130-year-old newspaper company out of England. But 20, 30 years ago, they started to diversify into business, you know, business to business information businesses with a strong foothold here in the U.S. And a big part of that portfolio, which is called DMGI, or Daily Mail and Global Information Group, uh, was focused on property companies that focused on being market leaders with something re- referring back to commercial real estate. So they invested in uh, TREP, which is the dominant player for the CMBS market or the commercial mortgage-backed security markets. Today, TREP probably has 85 90% market share for their, their sector. They invested in EDR, which is environmental data resources. They track all the phase ones in the United States for any time there's an environmental impact on a property. They probably have 85% market share. Um, they own BuildFacts that tracks the building permits in the United States. They own SiteComply that tracks the compliance regulations. They own RMS that tracks uh, the catastrophic, Im- catastro- catastrophic potential impact to commercial real estate structures for the insurance industry. Um, they own uh, primary, you know, the preferred stock in real capital analytics, which is the dominant firm that tracks the capital market flows for commercial real estate. And the one thing that was common with all of these companies, and I've just named a few, is that when DMGI invests in these businesses, they are not uh, an equity firm that buys companies and then exits. They only hold for the long term. So they buy companies they believe that they can create a significant investment in and grow them for the long term. And the interesting part is their focus is creating market leaders that partner with their industries. And so they they have a a long track record of investing in the executives of those teams, making sure they have the appropriate resources, and giving them a channel and a path to success. And the, the, the best part for me was, you know, suddenly having a network of 20 or 30 other CEOs that you could talk to on a monthly and quarterly basis, our CFO having a network of 20 or 30, you know, CFOs that he can work with, and then having these structured networks on a quarterly basis where we all come together and share ideas across the portfolio. So it's it's kind of, I would say DMGT has created the ultimate entrepreneur platform for, you know, companies like this to grow and incubate without the stress of wondering, you know, whether or not uh, an equity firm is trying to, you know, exit in five years and get a certain return. It, it almost also sounds like they've they've – dropped you into the Ted Turner School of Cross-Selling as well. That's true. So we, especially within the portfolio companies at the property level, there's so many different opportunities for us to cross-sell to the banks, to the appraisers, to the brokers, to the owners, to the capital markets groups, and the product portfolio is really starting to enhance, you know, all of us enhance each other in the overall offering. But the interesting part, uh, the, the two leaders that run the DMGI portfolio have a common belief that our objective is not to create, you know, second class or number two companies. They want to be world-class, best-of-class companies, and they have a huge focus on user-centered design and products that make end users more effective and, and excited. And if you focus on that, the revenue will follow. So they definitely came into our company and said, don't tell us how you can catch up with your competitor. Tell us how you can be better. And let's do that by building phenomenal products that make your customers better. And it was a a great approach for us. 
Well, this has been a few minutes with Doug Curry, the founder and CEO of Excelligent in Kansas City, Missouri. Doug, thanks again for your time today. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for talking to us, Matt. Thanks again to Doug Curry and to Nixon Peabody for underwriting Inside the Founder Studio and to Rachel Lawley and Scott Horwath for the production help. Don't forget to subscribe to the California Technology Council's podcasts on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play. And you can support these podcasts at Patreon. You can find us there at patreon.com slash catechcouncil. Thanks for listening. We'll speak to you next time. Inside the Founder Studio is produced in Northern California by the California Technology Council. Thank you.